Welcome back to episode three of our XD podcast. Um, in today's chat, we're going to be looking at Apple and discussing the latest news from their September keynote. Uh, joining me today to discuss the talking points are Ilya, Ilya, Joe, and Matt. Thanks for joining me today, guys. Thank you for having me. Nice. My pleasure. So starting off, we've seen some really interesting releases from Apple. Uh, it was last week. Uh, we've seen kind of new, new iPad Airs, which they've released. Uh, obviously, they've got a new iWatch, uh, a new interesting fitness subscription, which Apple are calling Fitness Plus, um, as well as a, a kind of overarching subscription service they're calling Apple One. Um, and I'm sure we're going to come on to these topics. Um, uh, no new iPhone this time, uh, which, which was kind of like heavily rumored. Um, but I think more interestingly, we finally got a take, uh, a chance to look at the iOS 14, which was released as well. And this is something that I've been kind of really interested in. Um, and I think it feels like a really good place to start off with. Um, and obviously there's lots to talk about with regards to this also. So let's start with Joe, I think. Gonna put you on the spot. Uh, interested to know if you've had a chance to play around with iOS 14 yet. Um, and if not, what, what kind of stands out to you as uh, something that's being interesting? Um, I think uh, all of the talk about, I mean, in, in terms of subscription models and kind of consolidation of lots of different services is quite interesting. Um, I think it's a trend you see across uh, lots of organizations that have like loads and loads of different products and services and touch points. Um, this, the, the kind of fitness offer um, being more subscription based is also interesting. And I guess it just reflects like, you know, subscription services are something that everyone engages with now, but there was a time when they felt new, um, uh, like movie subscription services or, or Netflix or, you know, it, it was a novel idea. Now, so much of our entertainment and, and you know, even, even our work and the, the things we use to, to, to work and to make money, like are, are all subscription services from software to kind of access to content to, you know, there, there, there must be something compelling um, from a business model perspective that, that has people kind of go down that route. I'm keen to see how this, this whole subscription model is adopted by people. Often when Apple propose something, uh, people lap it up. Um, but I'm not sure they're ready to, I don't know, stump such a, such a high fee for services they can get for, uh, for nothing elsewhere. Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting relationship now that we're, we're kind of forming with brands. I think before subscription services were, were kind of relatively difficult to keep track of. And I, I know maybe it's just kind of a, an, an age thing with me, but now I've become a lot more kind of like precious with the subscriptions that I have. I kind of form a relationship with those companies. I'd say that, you know, other kind of fintech banks like Monzo make it easy to kind of track that and, and keep an eye on them as well. And I don't know whether that's part of the, the company's business model and offering subscriptions, uh, kind of hoping off the back that, that most people forget about them. Um, but I definitely think it's it's an interesting model, and it it's I guess it's it's I, I saw Pret today as well, or releasing a coffee subscription on their note, and it's twenty pounds a month, uh, and that's almost unlimited coffees. And I think that that kind of the instantaneous gratification of of these services as well is is very. Uh, I guess it must be quite alluring from, from a consumer point of view. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. The, the fitness offering is uh, something that's really interesting. I, I have two points. I guess one is that from the uh, 
investor point of view, it's good to see that Apple is diversifying its model and they, uh, you know, less dependent on the success of each of the release of the hardware and software and they have uh, kind of other ways to, to make money. Uh, and this will only kind of boost the stock and will continue their growth. Uh, and the second one is that once again, Apple wasn't necessarily the first to, to the game with subscriptions, but probably because they can see the uh, success within the app store of similar services, uh, they can learn uh, on the mistakes and, and lessons of the other parties and then uh, go to a market with a more holistic unified proposition. And because they have such a wider reach, audience reach, uh, they, they probably are well uh, primed to, to succeed in that respect. It's another step forward in what is already quite a compelling Apple ecosystem. And so you can really see that diversifying across many, many different aspects of life. Um, and I think that that's obviously just perpetuated by the advances of technology that we've seen because of coronavirus as well. Um, but interestingly, and this kind of goes on to another topic within uh, iOS 14, I know me and Matt were chatting about before, but talking particularly about how a lot of these kind of like services are becoming a lot more personal, a lot more kind of embedded and integrated. Um, and I think you can see that with, with coming a lot of the, the crazy changes that, that Apple have made with regards to widgets. Um, and I don't know if you guys have had a look at any of this stuff. Uh, I was um, reading an article the other day. It was talking about a designer who um, basically created this icon set on Figma and, and charged people uh, six pounds to, to be able to access it. And he made two grand overnight. Um, and it was essentially just uh, vector graphics uh, and allowing everyone to customize uh, and modularize their, their kind of their homepage. Um, I tried it. It didn't work too well because it, it essentially sets up a shortcut um, for each of the apps so that you can create a kind of uh, a thumbnail for, for the app itself and change the icon. Um, but, but I certainly think that this is something that, that I've seen people going absolutely crazy for. One, and one thing about that is that's kind of interesting in terms of letting people use such an iconic interface um, in, a, in a slightly different way is that it, it kind of alludes to a certain sense of freedom or, or customization that is or isn't there. So it's like, it's this, it's this uh, you know, we've had that fixed grid of icons um, on the iPhone for such a long time that any alteration to it seems like really, really dramatic and interesting. Um, whereas, <laughs> It doesn't necessarily go, uh, you know, if you compare that to Android interfaces on mobile, like those kinds of things have existed forever. Um, yep. So it's just, it's also, it's it, just from a, a kind of an industry perspective, it's interesting to see how a small change like that received by Apple users versus, um, you know, how an Android user uh, may view that that kind of uh, evolution as as something fairly like menial. Um, it's yeah, it's really interesting. Definitely like influenced by the user base too, because <clears throat> it's definitely something that the younger like Gen Z um, has in their head is that it's more customizable and more adapted to their lifestyle. Like I went home last Christmas or to Christmas or no last Christmas. And like, I was talking to my two nephews who are like 15 and like 17 and they both had galaxy phones, which I thought was really crazy. Cause I was like, 
your whole family has iPhones. You're like, oh, but look at all these like cool skins and like look at all the other cool stuff that you could do on a Galaxy. And it's like just the fact that they could totally make it their own was just like a really interesting eye opener for me because it's like, right, you didn't really grow up like indoctrinated in the Apple way. Like your whole world is like Epic Games and like all these other different sort of big like institutions now that have nothing to do with like a strict regimen of like what you should be thinking about or what you should be using. It's like, it's opening up the world. And so like, I do think it's a nod to those people too, which is really interesting. Yeah, it, it's something that's, that's really quite small, but it, but it has a massive impact, um, especially with the widgets. Um, I, I know kind of another trend that, that some kind of work that they've been working on was the, the kind of compact notifications and the, the fact they're doing kind of picture in picture. So a lot of the stuff that used to kind of just like overlay and take you away from the experience, like I know when Siri first came out, it was, it was always really annoying you to open up Siri by mistake and it'd take about five seconds to close it. Now a lot of these notifications and prompts are not obscuring the screen and taking you somewhere else, but, but are kind of just overlaying. And it, it just seems a lot more integrated. A lot, it seems a lot more kind of like a, a personal device um, that I feel as though the Apple brand image just becomes so strong that they don't necessarily need to worry about you know, keeping the, the kind of tradition and the, you know, it, there's a set of rules there that, that is adhered to, but people can express their own personality through it. And I think that's really interesting for the future. Ben, can question for you. Poll, can we have a quick poll in terms of uh, which of the latest uh, iOS features that were introduced, let's say within the past two years, were most, uh, most interesting and most utilized by you in day-to-day -day life? Like I've, I've noticed that many people are using uh, emojis, uh, which yeah. you know haven't yeah. happened before, and I definitely see that popping up in multiple places. Uh, and people spend time customizing them with different expressions uh, and 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 so on. Uh, but is there anything else that that you personally have noticed? I mean, I mean, I find myself when they release a lot of these features, I wonder who who it's for, you know, and like a lot of it's good. It, it makes a lot of the services easier. I never really find myself using it more often than not, though. Like something like Force Touch, for example, when that when that first came out, is really interesting because the haptic feedback is all of a sudden another way on mobile. We always talk about, you know, on desktop experiences, you have hover. That's an extra interaction state there that you can actually play around with and add a layer of functionality. On mobile, you don't necessarily have that. So something like Force Touch is really interesting from, from a developer point of view uh, and a designer point of view as well, to be able to add an extra layer um, of, of functionality there. But I just feel like it, you know, in my, in my opinion, it's, it's underutilized um, in many ways, although it is something that, that can be quite powerful, I think. One, one feature that I was gonna um, call out was the control center, the short, the functional shortcuts that you can set, um, like quick access stuff. I think that really changed how I used the, the um, iPhone in that that became somewhere that felt customizable, but in a really pragmatic way, rather than customizable from a kind of, in, an, in terms of aesthetics or, or kind of me kind of, uh, superimposing my own personal brand on my device like you can on on, on other on other brands um those are I, I use those things every day um more probably than i do any other part of the iphone 
that's really interesting. That's obviously inspired by If This Then That, which was a successful app prior. But I can mm. definitely see this the sort of automated workflows. I, I haven't necessarily set it up, but I think it's obviously it's part of the big, big picture with Apple to create this kind of autonomous lifestyle, you know, and especially with Apple Home and their offering in that department. I walk through my front door and, and everything just kind of like works, right? When it gets to a certain time of night, you know, it kind of all the, the shades go down, the lights dim to like 10%. And you know it's very uh, it's very utopian in in many respects having this sort of uh, phone that that kind of just deals with these medial tasks for me. Um, Should I introduce myself as Ilya, iPhone 11 Pro, uh, the <laughs> owner of couple MacBooks, <laughs> old iPad, and new watch that I never used. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a few things. I, you know, like from the latest release, I really love this photo widget which I now have like on my, um, on my left kind of screen, like when you swipe left and it just constantly shows you this random photos, which is nice. And it changes it almost like every time you go there. And I actually swipe there now to see this random picture. They previously actually had this on, on watch, which was quite nice, but you never get to see it because it's always uncharged. Um, so now, uh, because phone is, <laughs> is charged, you can see this. Another one, I don't know like how you guys, um, I had this really weird habit of, you know, swiping up the apps and searching for the app, like between the open apps. And now like when they introduce the search, I always, I mostly search for apps. I never kind of look for them anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. This, this is something that's, that's interesting, I thought, as well. And it kind of goes back onto what we were talking about with, with being able to personalize your experience on Apple more so now. But they're not, they're not putting apps in the way of people, right? You can actually now just store them into this kind of uh, this dock and search for them at a later date. And what's more interesting as well is that they're, they're starting to respect that, that sort of storage that people carry around with them. And I know... Um, I was reading a study by Samsung as well, and they basically determined that the people are actually now very, very cautious um, and very protective over the apps that they store on their home screen, right? So they're not going to, they're just going to have a magnitude of, of loads of different apps unless they're really relevant to them and they really, they really care um, about the apps that they're using. Uh, and I think that this is really interesting when uh, they released the, I don't know if you guys have seen um, the app clips, which I think is a, an interesting uh branch so essentially app clips are, are kind of these mini apps now that if you're something like a coffee shop i think they use the the example of um, starbucks or something like that you can essentially scan this qr code and it will bring up a, a light version of that starbucks app without users actually having to download the app keep it because because we all know we you know we download a starbucks app and we maybe use it once or twice but then i you know more often than not i end up deleting it and so i think this is a really interesting uh I guess, window into how Apple see the future of uh, mobile applications. Yeah, I mean, I can relate to this. I have uh, the local pub has their own app and they now make everyone to order things through this app. The pity is the app doesn't work. So every time I go there, they say I have to install it and I install it. And I, I just say like, guys, can I just have a pint? And they say, no, you have to download the app. So I download it then it doesn't work. We wait for five minutes, then they say, you know what, forget it. What do you want? Uh, so maybe 
with this kind of thing, it will be different. You can lead a horse to water. No, yeah. right. <laughs> it's really, I thought this was, uh, reading through like some of the updates, this was also one that jumped out at me um, as being super interesting in that it's kind of like Apple want people to download apps from their app store. That's like kind of the goal of the app store is to serve a bunch of content and have people download it. But here what they're saying is like, I guess, a way of perhaps having people engage with the, the organizations that have apps in the app store a little more or, or kind of encourage kind of adoption of specific services. Um, they just offer these shortcuts. I'd be really interested to know um, like what Apple take uh, or what they charge in order to, you know, for instance, if I'm a coffee shop owner and I want to, I want to app clips to be applied to my, to my mobile app, is it automatic? Is it something I have to pay more for? Is there like a, um, some kind of uh, fee um, given to Apple um, for, for that specific transaction, if it's booking or ordering? Um, it seems in one way, like, you know, the, which is a, the sweet spot, like one way incredibly useful for people and in another way, a, a really nice way of making more revenue from a store perspective. Do you guys think that a similar behavior will be true uh, kind of in other uh, ecosystems that you know, our clients develop? For example, obviously telcos uh, have ecosystems of apps. Uh, the same goes uh, potentially for, I don't know, uh, auto manufacturers, uh, uh, media companies. Uh, do, do you think something similar can be uh, potentially adopted uh, across the board or is it mostly at the level of you know, iOS and Android? I think we've been having these conversations recently about on, on, on projects sort of doubling down on the things that we think are going to make the most difference. So like if, a, if a, an organization needs a specific problem solved or they want to launch a specific service, like what part of that, of that experience is going to be the most compelling? Like let's try and focus all of our effort on making that right. And that's kind of what this is. It's like let's distill the entirety of a mobile application into one action. And if that's going to be what, you know, what's the headline? Like if it's a Starbucks app, it's like order coffee. Or if it's, uh, you know, H&M, it's like buy t-shirt or whatever. Like what's the, what's the single use case um, that, that that organization is looking to support? And how does it connect with their, you know, their mission? And also what's lost? So like, you know, the, it's, it's great to give users like immediate access to the one action they want to do. But then, you know, what have we lost? What, you know, how do they engage with the brand? Um, how do we, you know, how do we develop a relationship with them if the experience is distilled to the level of, of one call to action? It's, uh, it also feels it like a stepping stone to a more meaningful voice integration because if you can distill these apps to a single action, it becomes much easier to ask either Alexa or whatever to, to do that for you. So mm -hmm. it's almost like a training tool to start using apps in a, in a different, through a different interface. Mm. I think yeah. the key challenge is going to be like, if you have 
uh, five coffee shops, um, or let's make it slightly more generic. If you have like, if, if there's a distillation of, of, of your kind of product or service offer into one call to action, and you have five companies who all um, sell red t-shirts, how do they differentiate themselves in that space? You know, it becomes, it becomes like, just give me, you know, the cheapest one or what defines the best. Do you know what I mean? It's, uh, I can think it's some really interesting and it's, it's very promising actually having that, that sort of space now to play with where we really got a captive, captive audience there. Apple have always been doing this where they kind of, they push industries along. They almost force them into change, you know, when they've taken away, you know, CD drives from their products or removing the floppy disk drive. But, but in many ways, you know, when you walk into Apple store, this, this already happens where there's not necessarily a checkout counter. You can do it on the app. When you walk in, it, it prompts on an iPhone, you know, what do you want to buy and check out? And it's almost magical in the way that they're able to create that experience. You know, you're not, you don't have to speak to anyone. It just happens. And so, I think in many ways, especially in the age of Corona, you can start to see this less uh, kind of face-to-face uh, -face interaction with, with people in, in places like, I guess, uh, supermarkets, right? Like I walk through the front door, I scan this little QR code and all of a sudden I've got this mini app that's available to me. I scan the items that I want to buy, I add them to my cart and I check out and I don't even need to see anyone. I don't need to talk to anyone. And then I just, I, I leave and I, I, start to, I start to see lots of different industries adopting this this sort of thing especially when you can't have that reliance on um face-to-face -face contact one so one one other quick comment that i had um while browsing through some of the the kind of ios 14 updates and it was just kind of like a an overarching question um is is what apple does essentially take what already exists in the world and simplify it to an extent where everyone can use it. Like, is that their role? Because, I mean, you can see from an industrial design perspective, like with, with the iMacs, with the, I, the original iPod, like you had this whole kind of like, you know, call back to all the brown um, industrial design and this idea of the reductive approach and um, simplification. and you see that in all of the kind of interface work they do too. So like there's this translator app, like Google translates app has been great for a really long time. Um, and that, and so, so it's like, they've, they've just made their kind of version of it. Um, shortcuts have existed on, on Android devices for a really long time. And then they have the control center dashboard thing, et cetera, et cetera, widgets. Like it feels as though, Apple does a really great job of in some ways like pushing industries forward and giving us new ways to interact, but then in another recycling things that already exist and presenting them back to the world in a, in a slightly new way. That's, that's, that's kind of understood as innovation. I think it's really interesting. This, this tension between what is real innovation and what is rebranding essentially. I think traditionally Apple would claim that they're not usually the first, but uh, they try to be the best. Uh, and the ambition for them is to do things exactly the right way. Uh, and I guess that that you know, seems to be working for them as an approach in general. And yeah. they've 
develop a lot of cloud uh, in that respect because uh, you know people believe that if Apple has done something, uh, it's it just inevitable. Like it's it is now now it's actually ready to be consumed, not just consumed or or used, enjoyed. So I think there is a stronger kind of human aspect. They they humanize technology in many respects and make it desirable as well, right? That's like Scott Galloway said, Apple works not only on the level of brain or heart, it also works on other levels as well. Yeah, the weird, the weird exception being Apple TV Plus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is the least desirable like product they have. That's, that's, that's you hitting below the belt with this one. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's interesting because you're totally right. And then the only two things that were bubbling in my head were, well, Apple TV Plus, they haven't gotten right. Because, like, it's just content that they're not getting right. The actual, like, software and app is great. Like, it's perfect. It's exactly how you'd want to navigate through. Do you know what I mean? Like, you just I have to enough. say, just this whole podcast could be banned just for this comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, like, it's the, the interface and the experience is great, but like the content that sits beneath it, it's just like, yeah. it's not something they usually do, right? So it's completely underwhelming, but because like you, you get excited when you go through Apple Plus, you're like, oh, it's cool, I'm ready. And then you're like, but I don't wanna watch anything. <laughs> and it, it, yeah, it's I like, like it's the, like, the only exception. Yeah, if you consider like the time that they take, like they, they took to actually roll out this whole platform is incredible. Like it was like, I think year and a half or like something like that to produce the whole platform and also this, this, the whole content series, which is essentially was around five shows, which is like crazy. Uh, <laughs> but equally though, I, I think there is something about the content. It's a little bit like when you watch like, series on amazon it's always like it's interesting but like not so much <laughs> like i don't yeah. know like it's just like they never hit it exactly right and like i don't know what the reason is like the thing i noticed and yeah i like i don't want to sound bad like the thing i noticed with apple a little bit watching the wwdc is they try to be so right it becomes a little bit a robotic show you like those people look a bit like humanized robots. They're trying to be so positive, so yeah. open, so like that it's actually like, I sometimes have a feeling that there's something, someone standing with a, with a gun and pointing to the <laughs> person who talks because they so much, I, I, don't, I don't know guys, if you, if you feel it, but it's like, it's not quite relaxed. <laughs> it's so, it's, that's, it's, that's exactly it. It's the training. It's the training they get. So obviously, like public speaking in itself is its own industry, you know, and, and they have some of the best coaches teaching them how to present in a certain way. And, and I like this comment, Ilya, because it's something else that I wanted to speak about was actually just the production value of this in general. So obviously, coronavirus has pushed them now where they're not doing keynotes live. And that's obviously, it, it's made this more of a a showpiece, the production value of this keynote was unbelievable. And here I was in a sort of dystopian way, sitting in the park, watching this keynote on, on my iPhone propped up. And 
you know, it's it's got it's got levels of like direction there. They've got drones flying over the Apple campus. Uh, you know the level of production that they're they're going into here is almost cinematic, uh, and I think it's I think it's sort of interesting. But but it's the way that they communicate the information. It's every every portion of what they're talking about is structured. So they lead in. This is what we did before. Here's the new iPad Air. This is what we we had before. Here's how it is now. Here's what's available to you. And then they summarize it in the end. And what I think is particularly interesting is I don't know if you guys seen it where they have this. They have this matrix grid at the end with all the different icons um, and, and it summarizes all of the new features that are available with this product in, in one page. There's so much content there. It's so rich, but, it, but it's so digestible as well. And this goes back to their, their kind of robotic like speaking where the way that they articulate themselves is, is perfectly poised to, to get the message across in the shortest period of time. And I think, I think that is, it's something that will only become more streamlined and optimized, I think, as, as things go on. I had a similar reaction, Ilya, to the Apple Fitness uh, offering, where it was like, it's a 100% it's right, but there's just something about it that feels wrong because there's, it's not quite human enough. Like, mm. it, it's, it's exactly what you'd expect and what you need, but I don't know. I, I, I hear what you're saying there. I think, I think part of the problem is that it's just very similar to what's being done elsewhere and it's not necessarily better right i would i would say that pentalon have, have done a better job at this this exact concept and it's not necessarily a new concept as well you know joe you were talking about this last week and i think that it's an interesting point that you raised as well where like i'm going to put my neck on the line here and, and say that i don't necessarily think apple is good at innovation anymore I think they have very, very talented designers, some of the best in the world, that are very, very talented at what they do. And given the scope of work, they will execute it perfectly. But the big ideas, the big pushing of innovation comes from, from the top down. And I feel like Jobs was always very, very good at doing that. He was erratic, he, was, he constantly produced the best type of work uh, and constantly tried to push the industry along. But, once we lost them, Tim Cook came in to settle the ship almost. And that's where we're at now, where there's lots and lots of different offerings that are very, very well executed, but a lot of ideas that are taken from, from other places as well. So, yeah, I think it's, it's definitely an, an interesting. Uh, but like, Ben, like question, I think, in this group is question to you. Uh, don't you want a new phone from TikTok? No, I mean, no. I, phone by... I don't. I don't. I, I trust. I do trust Apple. Is is strange that sense. I think like they've brought in a lot of privacy with this as well. Um, I, I'm so close to it, and that's the that's the issue with the ecosystem. Is you're so close to this company, uh, you rely on it every day. It, it almost becomes an extension of yourself. So in many ways, uh, like as much as much as I am kind of like a bit of a cynic about it, I I do. Uh, like if a new iPhone comes out, I'm going to want it. I'm going to want to, you know, have it. Um, and I would still trust them, you know, in many ways. Uh, especially from a hardware perspective, like it is exceptional what they're able to do. I, th I think in many respects, Apple realized that we live in this post-modern world where, well, many things have been already invented. Uh, and what you need to do is to reinvent what's being invented and, and just quote that <laughs> in a better way. 
Uh, and I think they've been really good. I think the, the genius of Apple is how they contextualize and uh, the timing of what they do and how they frame it and uh, how they bring it together. Uh, and, it, you know, if you had to quote Steve Jobs, he always uh, said that creativity and I guess innovation is the art of making unexpected connections. Uh, maybe they're not making that many unexpected connections anymore, but they're still connecting uh, kind of things that not a lot of companies out there can do, uh, which, you know, still makes them very successful. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um, I think the one, the one uh, sort of, the thing I try to remember in general is that you have a choice. So like, yes, I use, I have, I'm, I'm talking to you via a MacBook Pro. Yes, I have an iPhone in my pocket, but it doesn't have to be that way. It's a choice. I think often we feel we're kind of, well, I mean, to an extent we are indoctrinated, but we feel like we don't have a, a choice and that we have to use specific products and brands, but that's not true. I think it's probably healthy to, to sort of chop and change and to, to understand or to remind yourself why you've chosen a specific device or operating system or feature or app or whatever it is. I think I, I spent, usually I, I guess like I'm tracking back, I think every few, every like three, three and a half years, I like stop using an iPhone and I go to an Android device to just like check if I can do it yet. And the last time I did that was, was with the, the, the new Pixel. Um, and I obsessively researched like the, the operating system, the device, the hardware, the build, like what materials they were using, whether things were recyclable or not, how long the battery lasted. Um, I was really interested in the headphones, how they communicated with the, the OS. I was like almost sold on it. Um, and then I, I used uh, a Pixel 3 because it was the same, it was the same version of Android that was on it basically. Um, because we had a test device, a Pixel 3 in the office, and I used it for about two weeks and then switched back to the iPhone instantly. And that's for a reason. Um, well, it's for many reasons. Um, so to an extent, you've got to like, you got to give it to them. They do, they do a lot right. It's been, it's been great seeing you guys on my amazing retina screen. Uh, and hearing in my beautiful airport. <laughs> yeah. yeah, nice one. Okay, thanks guys. I think on that note, it's a, it's a good place to uh, leave it for today's session. Um, just time to thank all of you for joining me on today's chat. Um, and we'll hear from you guys next week as well. Thank you. Cool. Thank you, Dan.